Global Capital Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. I'm Mike Turner and I'm the Corporate Bonds Reporter. I'm filling in this week for our usual hosts, Ralph Sinclair and John Hay. It's been a week of reopening in the European capital markets with issuers testing the waters after a few weeks of limited to zero issuance, depending on the market. And results were mixed. There weren't any failed deals or anything juicy like that, but there weren't any blowouts that people would sort of like to see leading up to a major issuance window like we have in September. Later, we'll be talking to Addison Gong, Global Capital's Sovereign Supranational and Agency Editor, about how the market she covers is shaping up. And we'll also be visiting what at first glance looks to be an esoteric part of the market with collateralized loan obligations or CLOs uh, with Victoria Thiele and some of the interesting developments there. So far, the fears around contagion from a crisis brewing in China seem ill-founded. Major Chinese real estate company Country Garden is coming to the end of a grace period after missing the payments on $2 bonds, so a default does look imminent. This has already started affecting the shadow banking sector in the country, which has its fingers in lots of real estate pies, and the worry is that the contagion could jump to the mainstream banks and then from there to the rest of the world. This so far has not happened. Uh, UK semiconductor company Arm is steaming ahead with its New York IPO, despite significant ties to China. And the emerging markets, particularly Africa, also seems much more concerned with what's happening in US treasuries at the moment than its often close business partners in China. So contagion is limited. Hurrah. But everyone I've spoken to for the last few weeks, from investors to analysts, say it could change, possibly quite suddenly. It's one to keep a close eye on, which, of course, we will be doing at Global Capital. But now let's swing our gaze to Europe. Now I'd like to introduce my guests, Addison Gong. Hi, Mike. And Victoria Thieler, who covers CLOs. Hello, Mike. Nice to be back. Uh, so let's swing our gaze to Europe and the SSA markets. So, Addison, can you uh, tell us about what's been happening in your market this week? Sure. And apologies, Mike, if I start coughing like the old lady I am today because I have a bit of a sore, <laughs> sore throat. But um, yes, the market has been very busy today after three or four weeks of basically no supply, or at least not in the euro or dollar benchmark side. Um, but this week we had, I think, um, 12, 11 or 12 um, um, tranches are being priced um, uh, among SSAs. We have European agencies, we have European supranationals, US-based supranationals, uh, Japanese agencies. Um, so yeah, it's uh, really the restart um, of the SSA market is proper and it's across the board and it's um, in euros and dollars um, and last week I had some sterling so yeah. So it's, it's really reopened then? Yeah we are really heading into the end of the year or at least autumn funding at uh, full throttle here. Um, and, and how have the, the deals gone? Uh, yeah, I mean, most deals have gone really well. I should say all the deals have gone really well. Issuers got what they wanted. Um, and all the deals um, seems to have a set uh, a relatively positive tone for the rest of the year or for the, uh, for the um, I guess, uh, upcoming wave of supply. Um, there are a couple of um, caveats, though. Uh, I mean, we have some large deals like KFW done 4 billion euros, EIB done 4 billion dollars and EFSF done 3 billion um, in euros, Finland 3 billion. So we had a lot of volume and some small issuers also got the um, sizes that they were targeting um, at. Um, but I think compared to what some people were expecting um, during the summer or right before this week's restart, um, I think the overall volume um, was higher than expected. But um, that we say that some of the transactions um, are perhaps 
on the little bit more underwhelming side. I mean, let me be clear. I, I'm going to use an example here, but um, it's a very success, successful week for insurance, and this is a very successful transaction. So, um, but I think just compared to expectations of what we've seen um, early in the year um, or in recent years, although those are um, probably the best um um, examples to use because everybody knows uh, ECB is ex execute, uh, exiting Sorry, because of factors uh, we all know, such as um, the ECB's anti-QE um, program, etc. Um, but KFW is the example I'm going to use. I mean, it's a very good transaction, like I said, um, for them to be able to fund $4 billion. And let's not forget, this is an issue that has €85 billion Euros to do for the whole year. It's only its program is only second to the EU's uh, 120 billion. Um, and for them to be able to raise this amount in the middle of August is truly something. But um, the issue only got a 1.8 times covered book. Um, that's despite them being uh, able to offer four to five basis points of new issue concession at the guidance. Um, and they tightened one basis point. Um, so that means we have three to four basis points on, on the table. And, um, and, just, versus, and, and in the um, context of SSAs, um, yeah. three basis points is a sort of significant um, new issue. Uh, I mean, it depends. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a noteworthy new issue it, concession. Yeah, it obviously um, it's nothing compared to your 25 basis point, 50 basis points in big or even higher in corporate. But we also have to take uh, the numbers into consideration or in the context of a certain um, issuer, type of issuer or certain deal size or certain tenor. So it may sound, not sound a lot or it may sound a lot for certain issuers, but um, KFW, for example, we have our own data um source is called private market uh, monitor and then we use um, that to analyze um, um, certain new issue premium over a certain period or by certain issuers and that showed they only paid two basis point on average um, right so it's, a, so it's a 50 percent increase then i guess if, if yes, you wanted to do some um, real chart crime and make it look like it was a massive jump you could yeah, you could say but, that yeah but there are a few things to consider as well um i guess um timing is one um, because I've also been trying to talk to a lot of the market participants on both the issuer side and the uh, dealer side to try to pinpoint uh, why some of the transactions um, may have seen a smaller than expected bug or perhaps um, the pricing is a little bit higher than um, what some might have expected. So, so why then do you think um, issuers maybe didn't get the response they did? Because to be clear, this, this wasn't just in... SSAs either. This also happened in the corporate bond market. We had three deals in Europe's Euro high-grade uh, corporate bond market for Eon, uh, for uh, Volvo, and for Continental. All the deals went great, um, uh, low, low new issue premiums and things, but the books weren't maybe as high as uh, people had expected, particularly given that um, there's this sort of wall of cash that people have been talking about all year waiting to be deployed. Um, so so this isn't just limited to SSAs, but but why do you think this happened in your market? I mean, it's an interesting question, Mike. Uh, and I've, be, I've been trying to talk to a lot of the issuers and bankers this week to, to try to figure out the reason or reasons behind it. I mean, I can tell you what the 
what reason is not for <laughs> for us to see this kind of reception and this pricing because like we mentioned not only kfw a lot of the other issuers have put on the table new issue concession um, higher than perhaps what we had seen just before the summer break because people are mindful that we had a break um it's the summer maybe some investors weren't around etc so they wasn't trying uh, they weren't trying to push pricing or be super aggressive with the transactions and try to get size pricing and tenor everything in one go um i think ssa issuers are very pro pragmatic um about their approach to the market but um i feel like they, they sort of have to be don't they because they come to the market exactly. so often that you just exactly. can't afford the amount the, they have to raise yeah you can't afford to wind up your investors that. exactly um and it's about that long-term relationship with investors right uh, because um they, they want them to come back um again and again for their transactions. Um, I think people are struggling to pinpoint just one reason. Um, I think the timing of it um, certainly played a big part. I mean, uh, the market, uh, or for as long as I've been covering this market, which isn't that long, but um, mid to late August seems to be, in recent years at least, um, seems to be the time where the market would restart. Um, so in that sense there isn't um we aren't restarting like a, a week or two weeks earlier than before but still it's the middle of the summer it's the height of the summer people are still on holiday um it's always difficult to judge how many people are back at the desk uh, you would have thought people some people are around and some there will be people at each fund manager or each institution there but it's a question about i guess also whether they see okay, I saw two transactions in the market. I knew 20 on the way. Do I show my hands today? Or do I wait until I see something perhaps a little bit more attractive? And mind you, a lot of the issuers, uh, SS issuers have done so much funding, 70 to 80% of their annual targets done within the first six or seven months. So investors had a lot to buy, had a lot to choose from. So I guess at this point of time they're just being a little bit selective naturally right. because what they have done and what's on the way so, so there might be a degree of yeah. as well because it's september you know there's just a load of deals that are going to exactly. be on the screen because that's definitely so what's happening in the corporate bond market to a degree yeah so end of august and september um people think is the second january isn't it um so mm. you have you can expect everybody to come out uh, a variety of issuers a variety of tenors um different pricings and in order to compete with each other they probably would put on the table slightly higher usual concession than what they would have done in april for example so january and um perhaps september is that just to get atten the attention yeah, among the crowd exactly. exactly january is known for issuers starting the year for with higher attention i would think uh we'll have the data soon i guess for this year and then we'll do a piece on it um but i would assume it's the same um, um dynamic for august um so i think all of those um were at play um but i think people are a bit confused about what's going on but the good news is i don't think anybody is too concerned about what this means like i said they still got done four billion in the middle of august um that's no mean fee i don't think anybody can judge um the success of the deal um pure, if, if only purely based on that but i think um there are no poor deals everything got finished um everything is more than covered yeah do you think it's the, the nature of the issuers that came as well names like kfw um it, it it's sort of unimaginable that they would do a deal that wouldn't pass through the market 
you know, if you had a smaller name come through, would that? Do you think that would have been trickier, or do you think? Yeah, uh, you mentioned I mean, a few smaller deals did come. It's always like this. I think after a period of no issuance, a very low issuance uh, volume, or a period of volatility where you would have the larger issuers like KFW, like your EIBs, like your Supras, like ADB, for example. This week, I'm sure some of the other uh, Washington uh, DC-based Supras, that like World Bank, etc., um, they will come out as well. So the smaller guys would naturally wait for the bigger guys to open the market and see what the tone is like see investors already see what kind of premium they're asking for um so yeah there is a concern maybe um i wouldn't call it a concern i think maybe some of the smaller issuers may have to tread a bit carefully about what they bring on the table um i think that's what bankers are debating this week um as to whether they should uh, put more um leave more money on the table even at the starting level do you, do you mean in terms of the spread that they are targeting or the size or the tenors or yeah, so we already have some uh, um, uh, another German agency this week. Um, they would have um, started um, book building two basis points tighter than what they actually have done. Um, so that was um, seeing some of the transactions and how they went on Tuesday, which is the first day of the uh, w when we had deals pricing. Um, so yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if more issuers uh, and their dealers would take that approach as to maybe oh, I would start with, say, let's say four basis point of concession, or maybe let's start with five or six and see where how much we can tighten. But the the um, issue with starting at five or six is that rates volatility is still so high that they might end up stuck at five or six. Exactly. So, but that's um, if that's what investors is asking for. If that's how much they require to play in the volatile time, then as an SSA issuer, like I said, they all have a set. They they all have a target to hit. Um, they need that funding to be able to pass um, lending onto their clients, etc. You don't have a choice. It's not like we incorporate a fig where there are some opportunistic funding where oh, it's too, too expensive, I don't do it. I think um, most of the SSA um, issuers don't have that luxury. Um, but I think the good thing is, SSA is they are so uh, um, adaptable to these kind of conditions. Um, we had a very volatile period um, early in the year um, in March uh, where the banking crisis in the US and Switzerland were taking place last year market was very volatile as well um, since the war and in the summer we had a, a quite a few pull deals last year as well so far we had none of that um, this year so I think um, issuers are adaptable they are nimble if this year window they will take it if um, they think something wouldn't add up or the stars were aligned and like I said they are very well funded um, they have um, little to do compared to the requirements uh, or the volume they've done in the first year. I think they do have some options um, in their hands, maybe different currency, play with around the tenor and structure. Um, so yeah, but race volatility and the things happening in the background, we had that um, on Wednesday where we had probably six deals um, pricing in the market, but we had uh, more yeah, than 10 Yeah, 12 basis point move, right? Rate. So, yeah, real shake. 10 to 13, depending on where. Yeah, exactly. So, but still, the that's the biggest um, um, volume um, the, the, that's the day where we had the biggest volume this week um, everything got done um, so yeah so right okay positive for the SSA market then so and 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 just briefly what do you think uh, next week's going to bring Sim similar volumes even that shorter week or um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Obviously, a lot of issuers are gearing up to reaccess the market and um, people naturally want to be there early rather than riding the end of the tailwind of 
whatever is the English expression here. Um, but I think people are mindful uh, about what they see this week. Uh, I mean, I only mentioned one issuer, um, but there are some other issuers who might have adjusted um, their expectations or played around with strategies. So I think people are mindful that maybe the de demand um, we should assess it a bit more closely like next week. Um, so what that means um, for supply, I'm not sure if some issuers would say, oh, let's take a few more days or if um, they decide, okay, it's uh, positive enough um, and things can change overnight, right? So you, you just, but I think the bottom line is we have a lot of supply coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, this is the reopening. You don't want to miss out. Moving from the wide world of government and agency funding to CLOs, um, and there are some interesting developments happening there with something called resets. Uh, Victoria, maybe you could explain explain to the listener exactly what a reset is and why they are nearing their magic number. Yes, um, of course, happy to. Um, a reset is a type of refinancing. Um, so when you issue a CLO, you have all those step tranches and then you have an equity tranche. And um, when the loans, the underlying assets of a CLO start offering returns, um, then you will have the sort of waterfall where all the debt tranches get paid first and the equity will get paid last. Um, so sort of to compensate for that, the equity investors have the option um, to call a reset after a certain non-call period. Um, where they can ask for a refinancing or reset um, and a refinancing, they can sort of refinance part of the debt and a reset is where they more or less reissue the entire CLO. Um, and so the whole, the whole thing gets refinanced. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and what's, why now? Why, why is now a good time for this to happen? So um, it's, resets used to be a massive part of the market um, and they have been sort of dead for the past one and a half years um, because they sort of only make sense if spreads are a lot tighter. Um, and this all is going to sound absolutely insane after listening to Edison talking about like three basis points here and there because <laughs> we're talking um, in like way, way bigger numbers here. So um, the CLOs that are refinancing now are, are like could come, could come up with a reset now. Um, are the ones that were priced in sort of the second half of last year after the European Central Bank um, raised interest rates for the first time. So the triple A most senior tranches of those CLOs um, got priced at like 200 basis points right. and upwards. And that's the triple A. <laughs> exactly. So you can imagine where it got from, from down there. So yeah, like the, the most junior ones can be in the thousands. Um, right, okay. Um, and then well, I suppose that's that's um, uh, that reflects how much risk you take. If you're buying yeah. the German government, you can expect exactly, it to exactly. be but here we're less about risky. Leverage loans, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so very different ball game. Um, but I don't know. I, I like the high numbers. I think it's more satisfying. Um, but yeah. So I mean, back in the days, like in in I don't know. 2018 or so that there might have been um CLOs that get done like 80 basis points on the AAA so the 200 were actually a massive um sort of insane increase from what we've seen before um but ever since sort of they have been through quite a lot of volatility so spreads came down a little bit um to like sort of the 170 80ish um area in the early year and then credit suisse and Silicon Valley Bank did what they did. Um, then things sort of shot up to, I think they reached a maximum of 210 at some point. Um, and 
now sort of the CLOs that we've seen in July and August in the past couple of weeks, spreads have sort of come down and hovered around a stabilized um, 175, 180 base points, um, which already sounds like a massive uh, decrease compared to talking about uh, three or five um, base points, um, but it's still it's still maybe not quite enough to warrant a reset, but it's people are feeling a bit more optimistic that it's getting there um, with right. sort of inflation coming. Presumably, down. there are there are things like fees involved and you know various other costs that will eat away. At yeah, exactly. You also have to consider yeah. where loan prices are um, and sort of if you can buy assets cheaply or if it's really expensive to to sort of stock your CLO. Um, so these things sort of play in there as well. There's there's sort of, what I spoke to one lawyer who said there's a lot of moving parts, but they're moving in the right direction. <laughs> right, okay, so it's positive then. And and does this come because things like inflation looks like it's been yeah. starting to be tamed? And exactly, exactly. There is like a bit yeah. of, yeah, we've seen the CPI, um, like the inflation data sort of calming down. Um, people sort of start expect um, interest rates to plateau somewhere. Um, and then there's also, there seems to be a bit so CLOs have struggled a lot with a lack of primary loan issuance because, of course, if you want to do a CLO, first you need to buy a lot of leverage loans. And there was very little primary issuance of those because we didn't have much M&A activity or leverage buyouts, which are a huge source um, of this kind of issuance because the market there was so much market uncertainty. Um, but sort of it's been coming back a little bit, like very, very tiny bit, but people, like some, some people are sort of, hopeful um that there there might be more of that coming as well which would be a great relief for clos because yeah um if you talk to clo people they would probably at some point say the sentence the arbitrage isn't working um right okay and because uh, so, it's it's an arbitrage driven market right exactly it's, it's a complete right. arbitrage product so have any of these resets actually started to materialize is this actually happening or is it just a hypothetical at the moment there's a couple of people who've put out so-called cleansing notices, which is an early indication that you are exploring. A, um, That's an a incredibly reset. fancy term for it. I wonder where that comes from. That sounds so archaic. It just sounds like this. Sort of... Yeah, I know. I haven't. I know cleansing notice sounds. Like, I don't know. It sounds like somebody's going to get evicted or so. Um, but. Uh, I haven't quite delved into the etymology, but maybe that's something for... How is that not the first thing that you do in any market? <laughs> <laughs> like, how is that not my priority? <laughs> While working on my weekly cover story. Um, uh, but yeah, so um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I read about that as well. Apollo put out a cleansing notice. That was sort of the first one. Um, and now in the time, in the weeks since, we had two other ones. Um, it's Cross Ocean and... Barring, who are both exploring to to reset specific deals, and they all are ones that have been priced around 200 basis points on the AAAs um, last year and sort of September October era. So their non-call periods they had quite non-call periods used to be like up to like three five years um, in extreme cases, but they like because spreads were so horrible. Um, People were very careful with those and sort of said really, really short ones. Right, so with, with, with an eye to resetting. Yeah, exactly. So they're possible. like one year. Right, um, okay. And yeah, so they're, they're running out. But I've actually, I've, I've put together a list. Um, I dug through all the CLOs that were priced um, at those kind of prices in that um, time period. So if you go on the website and look at my article, um, you can see a table where that sort of 
list some other likely candidates that could follow. And and for um, any of our podcast listeners who are also our readers, and I can't imagine there's much of a space in that Venn diagram for people who aren't either of those. But uh, the article is called CLOs Ready to Reset as Spreads Edge Towards Magic Threshold. Um, if you want to check that out, it's on our uh, homepage right now. Um, and maybe we should talk about the magic threshold because like we yes, well, sort of started well, yeah, you, you sort of, you, yeah, I, so, so the three um, CLOs that you mentioned all all priced at around 200 and the market is about 175 now so they're looking at about 25 basis point tighter yeah but and the threshold yeah, is, is, is slightly lower than that right a little bit yeah so I've, I've asked different people that question and they're like that doesn't seem to be like the one objective answer but um so there seems to be sort of a rule of thumb that you want spreads to come down by like 40 to 50 basis points um and that would leave the threshold somewhere in the sort of 150, 160 base points um, area. So a little bit a little bit of more tightening um, has to be done. And um, yeah, one lawyer I spoke to said that uh, he thought the magic threshold was 165. Right. Those. Um, so that's why that's why that was. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, great. And and so briefly on resets, why why would you need to refire the whole CLO and not just parts of it that make sense at the time? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I've heard some people wondering about that a little bit as well. Um, but there's, so if you reset, because yeah, of course, like if you reissue the whole thing, then also your non-call period starts again, your refinancing period starts again, um, everything starts over. And you could think that, why don't you just like take those slightly like tighter spreads and move on. Um, but there is an element of that, a reset offers more of an opportunity to attract third-party equity investors because with um, spreads being so wide on debt, CLO managers have the problem that sometimes the returns on the junior debt tranches are actually higher than on the equity, but at lower risk. So it's really hard to get um, sort of external equity investors to buy that from you. Um, So what almost all CLOs that have priced in the past months um, have done is to use captive equity funds. They sort of have their own um, that are usually fed by like pension funds insurers. Um, so yeah, CLO managers who have sort of little vehicle, like little, yeah, they have captive equity <laughs> funds that they can right. use to do that. Um, but of course, that's not great because like to make the arbitrage work, you want more external money. Yeah, in there. Um, so it's a way to bring in more money, basically. Exactly, right. exactly. A reset yeah. um, might might help with that. Right, okay, fantastic. So thank you very much for that rundown, Victoria. It was uh, incredibly interesting to hear what's happening in the CLO market. Um, and that brings us to the end of the podcast. If anyone has any thoughts on what we've spoken about, please write in. But thank you very much for listening. Um, all these stories are available on the Global Capital website and we'll be back next week. <laughs>